0: All right, welcome back to Healthspan. This is part one of a six-part series of The Cancer Code by Dr. Jason Fung. Dr. Jason Fung is a physician, an author, and one of the lead researchers in the fields of type 2 diabetes, weight loss, fasting, aging, and overall health. I reviewed one of his earlier books, The Diabetes Code, which you can check out. But for now, I'll be reviewing The Cancer Code. So in 1971, Richard Nixon declared the war on cancer in his State of the Union address where he proposed an intensive campaign to find a cure for cancer. So he signed the National Cancer Act into law and injected nearly $1.6 billion into cancer research. Now from 1969 to 2014, total deaths in the United States from heart disease dropped about 17%. But as far as cancer, during that same time period, deaths from cancer rose a chilling 84%. And we know the war on cancer Has not stagnated from a lack of funding the 2019 budget for the national cancer institute was 5.74 billion dollars all derived from taxpayer dollars amid all this doom and gloom hopeful signs really emerged so cancer deaths adjusted for aging population growth peaked in the early 1990s and have been on steadily have been steadily declining so what really changed was this smoking cessation effort as well as Our understanding of cancer has slowly slowly been undergoing this revolution, and this has really contributed to new targeted treatments. But the most pressing question in cancer research is, uh, is, again, what is cancer? So this book is an exploration of the story of cancer. It is not meant for a cure for cancer, instead his goal here is to chronicle the surprising journey in our understanding of the greatest mystery of human disease, which again is cancer. So we're going to begin with the history of cancer. Cancer is really this prehistoric disease recognized since the time of ancient Egyptians. The Edwin Smith papyrus, translated in 1930, contained the medical teachings of the Egyptian physician Imhotep, who lived around 2625 BC. And it described a case of a bulging mass in the breast that was cool and hard to the touch. This is really the first kind of uh, start of cancer, the the first kind of, in the in the books, what cancer was, all the way back in 2625 BC. But we know cancer has walked this earth as long as we have, and its longevity makes it really unique among certain diseases, right? Think about smallpox and the Black Plague. A lot of these diseases have been eradicated, but as far as cancer, cancer was there in the beginning. It was there in the middle, and it's still here now, worse than ever. So cancer was likely rare in ancient times because people, because cancer is really this disease of aging. And life expect- expectancy back then was extremely low. Even think about 150, 200 years ago, life expectancy was really low. If people are dying from you know, famine, uh, war, and stuff like that, cancer is not really this huge concern. So the Greek physician Hippocrates, who is often regarded as the father of medicine, appro- appropriately named cancer using the word karkinos, which, is, uh, which means crab. And in the 2nd century AD, there was, another, uh, there was a Greek physician, his name was Galen, who used the term onkos, meaning swelling, to describe cancer, as it was often detected as this hard nodule. And this is where a lot of the root words come from. So oncology is the signs of cancer. Oncologist are cancer specialists and oncologic means related to cancer. That's where all these words are de- described or derived from is oncos meaning swelling. Now, while all types of cancer are different, this book really attempts to discuss the origins of cancer as a whole and looks at the similarities of cancer rather than the differences. So, this is a fundamental question of this book what turns normal cells into cancer cells in some people in some situations but not others? In other words, what causes cancer? So the ancient Greeks believed in the humoral theory of disease, which kind of posited that all diseases resulted from an imbalance of these four humors, which are blood, phlegm, yellow bile, and black bile. So Ancient Greeks thought that inflammation was a result of too much blood. Pustules from too much uh, phlegm, jaundice from too much yellow bile, and cancer was considered an internal excess of black bile. And the treatment of cancer, again back then, was aimed at removing this excessive black bile and included stuff like bloodletting, purging, and laxatives. And around 1700s, uh, by, the, by the 1700s, the lymph theory had replaced the humoral theory. So cancer was believed to be caused by fermentation and degeneration of stagnant lymph that didn't properly circulate. And around 1838, the focus had really shifted to cells rather than fluid with the blastema theory. So there was a German pathologist, his name was Johannes Mueller, who showed that cancer was not caused by lymph but instead originated originated from cells. And that same year, the another pathologist Robert uh, Carswell examined several widespread cancers and was among uh, the first to suggest that cancer may move through the bloodstream. So cancers were simple like they were simply cells even though they were bizarre-looking cells with unregulated growth. And this is what Jason Fung calls cancer paradigm 1.0 the first great modern paradigm of understanding cancer it is a disease of excessive growth so that is his paradigm 1.0 and if too much growth was the problem the obvious solution was to kill it so this gave us uh, so this logic gave us surgery radiation and chemotherapy which is still the basis of many of our cancer treatments uh, protocols today so he kind of goes through the history of uh, surgery, radiation, and chemotherapy. But I'm gonna go ahead and skip ahead and talk about this cancer paradigm 1.0. So again, I mentioned that his 1.0 cancer paradigm was excessive growth. So cancer paradigm 1.0 was a huge medical advance, but again it did not answer the most fundamental questions. What was causing this uncontrolled cell growth? What was cause co- what was the root cause of cancer? And to understand this we need to know what is cancer. So we move forward and we discuss the hallmarks of cancer. So noted cancer researchers, Doug Hanahan and Robert Weinberg, recognized that cancer was a collection of different diseases united by certain qualities. So in 2000, in the year 2000, they decided to codify the principles of malignant transformation and published it in the journal Cell. And they titled the paper, The Hallmarks of Cancer. And they had eight of them. Without these eight hallmarks of cancer, cancer would no longer be cancer. So here are the eight hallmarks of cancer. First is sustained proliferation signaling. Secondly, evading growth and suppressors. Third, resisting cell death. Fourth, enabling uh, replicative immortality. Number five, inducing angiogenesis. Number six, activating invasions and metastasis. Number seven, deregulation uh, cellular energetics. And number eight, evading immune destructions. Again, without most of these eight hallmarks, cancer would no longer be cancer. So we're going to go through these one by one and show these different hallmarks of cancer. So the first one I mentioned was sustaining proliferative signaling. The first hallmark and arguably the most fundamental is that cancer cells continue to replicate and grow, whereas normal cells do not. Abnormal growth can occur if there's proto-oncogenes that are being activated, or if there are tumor suppressor genes that are being suppressed. So you can think of oncogenes as these genes that step on the gas pedal, right? They tell our cells to grow and divide. And you can think of tumor suppressor genes as the... uh, as like the brake on your car. So if your tumor suppressor genes are suppressed, it's like taking your foot off the brake pedal and causing more cells to grow. So that's really the first hallmark uh, of, of cancer, sustaining proliferative signaling. Secondly is evading growth suppressors. So many genes in our body actively suppress cell growth. The first tumor suppressor gene to be discovered was called RB, which stands for retinoblastoma. The uh, genetic mutation that inactivates RB gene releases the brake on cell growth, again, takes the foot off the gas pedal, or takes the foot off the brake pedal, and causes cells to grow and just keep on growing and hence develop of cancer. And I'm sure you're familiar with other tumor suppressor genes. You've definitely heard of the BRCA gene, uh, which is linked to breast uh, endometrial ovarian cancer. And you've definitely heard of P53, which is the quote unquote guardian of our genome, because it's estimated that 50% of human cancers come from a mutation of this P53. So that is the second hallmark of cancer. Of cancer, The third hallmark of cancer is resisting cell death. We know cells, when they become older damaged, need to undergo the process of apoptosis, which is programmed cell death. And if cells don't undergo apoptosis, they're just beginning to continue continuing to replicate and grow so cancer cells are able to resist cell death fourth is enabling re- replicative immortality Hayflick, flick which i've which i've talked about multiple times was this researcher who came up with the Hayflick flick limit which is the idea that after about 40 to 70 times cells will stop replicating and just become senescence now, while normal cells are mortal, cancer cells are often immortal. They, like bacteria, are not restrained by this hayflake limit and can replicate indefinitely. So the way they do this is that cancer cells produce this enzyme called telomerase, which increases the length of telomeres at the end of our chromosomes. And because the telomere cap never wears down, cells can keep on dividing as long as they like. So that's what makes them different than normal cells. They can replicate nonstop And they don't have the features of being uh, part of the Hayflick limit. So the fifth hallmark is angiogenesis. So angiogenesis is the process of building new blood vessels, which brings in fresh supplies of oxygen and nutrients and carries away waste. So as tumor grows, new cells are situated farther from the blood vessels, just as like new houses in a suburban uh, subdivision are located farther from the main road. So these cancer cells can actually make their own blood supply and allow them to keep growing, which is really fascinating. The sixth hallmark is activating invasion and metastasis. So metastasis is the spreading of cancer. This is something that differentiates uh, a malignant cancer from a benign cancer. Malignant cancers can often metastasize and spread throughout the entire body. So the seventh hallmark of cancer is the deregulation uh, cellular energetic energetics. So this is a little bit difficult topic to understand, but I'll try to explain it the best way I can. So when we are when we eat food, we take the glucose and we turn it into energy. That's obvious, but and this process is called oxidative phosphorylation. But one thing, this man named Otto Warburg saw in 1927 was that cancer cells don't actually do this. So cancer cells, even in the presence of oxygen, don't undergo this oxidative phosphorylation, even though this is the most efficient pathway to make more energy. So cancer cells, almost universally, use the less efficient glycolytic pathway, even in the presence of oxygen. So this is the quote-unquote Warburg effect. Again, even in the presence of oxygen, cells will... This cancer cells, specifically, will decide to go under the glycolytic pathway and not oxidative phosphorylation. So this is really an intriguing paradox because cancer, which is growing rapidly, should require more energy. So why would it deliberately, deliberately choose to the less efficient pathway of energy generation? So this is really a fascinating anomaly. And I will be ta- discussing Warburg effect uh, a little bit later as well. An upcoming podcast. So, the eighth and final hallmark of cancer is evading immune destruction. So, in order f- to survive, cancer cells must somehow evade an immune system that has been designed to kill them. While growing inside tissue, the tumor may be somewhat shielded from the immune system uh, cells that must penetrate that tissue. Now, these eight hallmarks represent the best scientific consensus on the characteristic behaviors that demarcates what a cancer is or is not. But these eight hallmarks can often be further simplified into four. So something that can be considered a cancer is when it grows, is immortal, moves around, and uses the Warburg effect. These are the even more simplistic things that cancer is kind of marked by. It can grow, sure. It's immortal, yes. It moves around, and it uses the Warburg effect. So in in some cases, dozens or even hundreds of genetic mutations are required for a cell to develop these four hallmarks. And identifying the hallmarks is a great start, but simply describing a cancer's main characteristics doesn't tell us anything about why or how the mechanism's cancer developed. So that is cancer uh, code part one where I describe again the hallmarks of cancer and also the cancer paradigm. In the upcoming podcast I will be discussing paradigm 2.0 which is the idea that cancer is this genetic disease and we also will be discussing the somatic mutation theory of cancer as well. But for now remember the first uh, paradigm paradigm of cancer so i hope you enjoyed this podcast and it's going to be a six-part series and we will be taking a deeper dive believe me into everything you want to know about cancer but for now i hope you enjoyed this podcast i hope you learned about the hallmarks of cancer and i hope you tune in next week for part two of the cancer code by dr jason fung